Boy, that's good news, isn't it? Yeah, let's give him a hand clap for that. Praise the Lord. Join me in prayer, please. Well, it's good to celebrate the victory, Jesus, that you won. Through song, it's reflection on the truth that sin has been paid, the wrath of God has been satisfied, and that the tomb of Christ is empty, and that the throne of heaven has one seated upon it with scars in his hands and feet and brow, scar in his side where a spear was thrust, evidence of the satisfied justice of God and the payment of sin. And because of that, we come boldly right to that very throne, completely righteous through faith and the all-sufficiency of Jesus Christ. Come to our Heavenly Father and bring our needs to the Father who gave the Son so that we could come and who, along with Him, will certainly give us all things. Thank you. So we bring our needs, Father, to you. You know what they are. You know where the pain is in each life, what the questions are, the heartache, the need for direction. You know where correction needs to come and inspiration, just strength and courage to keep on. And we're just asking that you would do that through your presence, through your people, through your truth, the encouragement that comes meeting with you. Pray that not just for those here, but Lord, all across this city, all the houses of worship that are meeting uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, according to the truth of your word, I pray for all of them this morning. Bless them with your presence, even as I'm asking that you would bless us, that you would send forth your word in each of those houses of worship, even as you send it forth here. Trust you to do that. Thanking you for it. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. We are in the midst of a series, a mini series here called Class 301 Divine Design. And the purpose of this series is really to help you understand what your divine design is, to help you discover and to develop and to deliver what God has invested in you, in your life, as a follower of Christ for the building up of His kingdom through the local church. And so we've been talking about that for three weeks now. This is week number four. And I told you last week that what I was going to do this morning is I was going to give you a list of the spiritual gifts identified in Scripture. So as I begin to do that, let me just give this qualifier. 
this is very, uh, a very different type of a message. I'm actually uh, out of my element here this morning. Uh, I'm a preacher and enjoy taking uh, a truth, a verse, even a phrase. Some of you know even a word. Uh, some of you maybe regrettably know and spending 45 minutes expounding that phrase or that word. And what I'm going to try to do this morning is I'm going to try to cover fairly large portion of what the New Testament in its entirety says about spiritual gifts, or at least identif- not what they say about the gifts, but identifying the gifts that are in the New Testament. Try to give you, here's what I'm going to try to do. I'm not going to read all of the verses related, but what I have done is I've given, do we have those handed out, Scott? Uh, do you have your note pages? Everybody have a note? Okay. So I'm, I'm going to go th- over a definition for each of these and then um, give an example or two maybe on some of them and we'll see how much time we've got. I went way over last service. I'm really going to try not to do that this time. Let me just say this, though, as well, both about how to determine your gifts. Talked about this a few weeks ago. And then how many gifts are there? First of all, the way to determine, I believe, the biblical pattern or model for determining, discovering your gift is Romans chapter 12, 1, 2, and 3. And what follows is that you first surrender your life fully to God as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And then secondly, you commit yourself to spiritual growth, to taking the Word of God, studying it and applying it, obeying it. That's verse 2 of Romans 12 not conforming to the pattern of this world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. This renews your mind, this truth, so that you can, then here's the promise, test and approve what God's will is. And then what follows in Romans 12 is a description of the gifts. So the point is, the way that you prepare yourself to discover the gifts is that you surrender fully to God and that you commit yourself to spiritual growth by taking the Word of God and obeying it. And if you're doing that, here's what I know. You're going to be serving. You're going to be ministering to people. And what will happen is as you, out of a surrendered life that is growing spiritually, as you minister to people, your Life is going to bless and touch them in specific ways as you do specific things. Maybe as you communicate a truth from God's word and it will come alongside their life and give them just what they need. That would be an indication that you might have the gift of teaching or the gift of preaching. As you come along someone that is hurting and experiencing pain or is... uh, lonely and down and out and you're moved with compassion and empathy and you minister to them so that their help could be that you have the gift of mercy and they tell you that, that you ministered to them. And so it's in the outworking of your Christian life, ultimately as you are living surrendered and growing spiritually in obedience to the truth, that your spiritual gifts will become known. So, What I want to do this morning 
is I want to give you a list of the gifts that I see in the New Testament so that you can have these both in your head and on some paper in your house as you're praying through this. And so I'm encouraging you to do that. I'm encouraging you to, to look at the list that we're going to cover today and spend time, not just this morning, but on your own, looking over the references that are given under each one of these and the examples in Scripture that are given and praying and asking God to just continue to reveal to you if you're not aware yet, what your gifts are so you can discover them. And then to help you develop them, to fan them into flame so that you can deliver them in the body. Now, the list of gifts that I'm going to give, I'm, it's not my conviction that these are the, this is the exhaustive list. There is no... Uh, One place in Scripture where there is a statement that here are the gifts of the Spirit in their entirety and then a sequential list that follows. There's four places, mainly four places in Scripture in four of the New Testament letters where there's a partial list of spiritual gifts and those overlap each other. Some that are on one list are not on the other. And then there are some places in Scripture where an individual gift is mentioned or shown by example. So I'm just trying to say to you that I'm not claiming here that I'm giving you a comprehensive list of all the spiritual gifts. And if you differ at some point on uh, one that should be added or shouldn't be on the list, that's totally fine with me. I'm not going to pick any fight with you about it. I just want to give you what I believe are the ones that I see in the Word of God. I'm going to give them under five different categories. I've seen this division, and I thought it it did a pretty good job of dividing up gifts under headings. I kind of like organization, and so I'm going to give you these gifts under five different headings. First one is this, gifts that communicate God's Word. Now, that doesn't mean that the ones under here are the only ones that communicate God's Word, but primary, primary function here. First one on this list on your note page there is the gift of preaching or prophecy. Here's a definition. God-given ability to communicate God's word fearlessly and persuasively for the convincing, strengthening, encouragement, and comfort of believers and unbelievers. This gift has a primary and I believe a secondary aspect. Here's primary, forth-telling. Forthtelling is opening up the Word of God, a truth of God, and communicating it forth to a group of people. Secondary aspect of that, not as common, but certainly a part of this gift, is the gift of foretelling. Telling of an event in the future given by divine insight, something that's going to happen in the future in such a way that is an accurate message and does in fact come true. So two aspects of this gift of preaching or prophecy, and that is forth-telling and foretelling. Ephesians 4.11, God gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers to the church for the building up of the church in Christ's likeness. 
I listed five there preaching being one of those on the list. We're going to hit some of the others on the list here in a minute. People with this gift, and I'll do this occasionally just for clarity, give you some characteristics of people with this gift. They speak a timely word from God causing conviction, repentance, and edification. They see truth that other people often fail to miss. And then they declare that truth in a way that helps. They at times have God-given ability to expose sin and deception in others for the purpose of reconciliation and sanctification. Preaching and prophecy. Second gift on the list, evangelist. Evangelist. God-given ability to communicate the good news of Jesus Christ to non-believers in such a way that non-believers become followers of Jesus Christ. Now, that does not mean that a person with the gift of evangelism or someone that has fanned that gift into flame, that every time that they share Christ to a non-believer, the non-believer gets saved. But it happens frequently or more frequently in those that really have that gift and have fanned it into flame than believers that do not have that gift. Let me give you a couple of other critical points here, and this is true of so many of the gifts. If you don't have this gift, that doesn't take you off the hook from sharing Christ if you're a follower of Christ. All Christians are called to do that. We are called to be witnesses to the world of the love and grace of God through Christ that saved us. If you have been saved, you are called to share, period. But to some believers, God gives the gift of evangelism in a way that just connects the message of Christ with the heart of an unbeliever. An example, just a poignant example of this quickly. Years ago, I was at a Promise Keepers conference. I actually took a group of about 15 men from Cornerstone Church here to the Promise Keepers conference in the Kingdom in Seattle. It's about 70,000 people there. And one of the, the many great speakers, one of the speakers was a man by the name of Greg Laurie. And he just got up and he shared just the most simple message. I mean, it was just something that you would just like be sitting down with the neighbor next door in a one-on-one conversation and just very, you know, straightforward, but no flash at all, just a unfolding of the clear truth of salvation. And I'm thinking, wow, it's kind of just average, you know, expecting world class here at this event. And then he gave the altar call. Thousands upon thousands of people just like a wave just moved down the kingdom all around and converged and filled this giant area before the stage and up every aisle. And I'm thinking, wow, that's the gift of evangelism. 
right there. Some people have that ability and it can be fanned into flame in great ways. People with the gift of evangelism, they often are those that are really seeking out opportunities to connect with people that do not know Christ. Do you have a passion and a, and a burden to do that? Maybe you have the gift of evangelism. Desire to connect with people that do not understand the message and just to draw toward them to get a platform on which to share. Next, missionary. Missionary gift. God-given ability to minister to others from another culture, sharing the good news of Christ and helping believers. Here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law. To the weak, I became weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. One point Paul said, I long to preach the gospel where it has never been preached before in areas where it's never been preached so that I won't build on someone else's foundation. It's the heart of a missionary. Heart of a missionary. People with this gift Often they have an intense burden, even deep concern unto consistent or regular tears over a people group of a you know, somewhere around the world, maybe moved for some reason in their heart by Africa or India, and that just driving, compelling force in their heart that those people who have not heard the gospel there would hear the gospel. If that, if your heart beats like that, maybe the gifting of missionary is in your heart, in your life, through the Spirit of God. Missionaries are People who have the ability to establish relationships with people of another culture, another ethnicity, just naturally drawn to that. Gift of apostle. This one takes a little explanation. Some say, and I don't believe this is inaccurate, that the gift of apostle is a gift that is not given any more. But the confusion here is related to a distinguishing between the title or the office, I should say, of an apostle and the gift of apostleship. As far as the office of apostle, I believe that is a completed office. Scripture talks about uh, those who are called to be apostles. Let me just read Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 2, verses 13 to 15. Jesus went up on the mountain and called to him those he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed 12, whom he named apostles, so that they might be with him 
and that he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. Officially, the office of an apostle is defined by those who were with Jesus Christ while he walked the shores of this earth. I think there's one exception to that, the apostle Paul, whom Jesus came down and appeared to on the road to Damascus. But they were with Jesus Christ. They witnessed him personally with their eyes, heard his teaching from their ears, and were then commissioned by him to go out into the world and carry forth the work that he came to begin. The apostles were given extraordinary gifts. Paul states that in one of his References to the apostle, the ability to work with many signs and wonders and mighty works that validated, he said, his apostleship. That was true of the apostles. Those who had been with Jesus, seen him, walked with him, heard him, shared that witness, and their message was confirmed with mighty, miraculous powers and signs and wonders. But I also believe that there is not the office, but the gift of apostleship that manifests itself in this way currently. It is the God-given ability to start new works or start new churches and to give them a solid foundation, providing them with spiritual oversight. Those with this gift have the ability to do that, to go into an area and to begin from scratch or to oversee a region of churches and a great visionary and entrepreneur-type personality that can work in large-scale ways like that, visionary ways. Let's go to the second heading. Gifts that educate God's people. First one is teaching. God-given ability to understand and explain the truth of the Bible in a way that others will learn and apply that truth to their lives. It says there in Ephesians chapter 4 that God gave pastors and teachers among the rest of the list to equip the saints for the work of ministry and the building up the body of Christ. People with this gift... They communicate biblical truth that inspires others toward obedience. They challenge listeners simply and practically with God's truth. They are drawn to extended times of study in the Word of God. That gift of teaching, you know, I was talking last week about your divine design and how your desires are going to line up in part with your giftings. You're going to have a desire to dig deeply into and understand God's truth so that you can communicate it. Let's go to the next gift, the gift of wisdom. Now, as I'm sharing these, I'm asking you to be praying, not just today, but throughout the week. And even as we're speaking this, maybe God is going to be tapping on your heart, even in Revelation, as we define these gifts and talk about some of the characteristics of individuals with them. Be open to that. Gift of wisdom. God-given ability to understand God's perspective for the circumstances of life and ways to put that divine perspective into action. 
So wisdom has both the revelation of knowledge or insight in a very clear and adept way to apply that to circumstances of life in ways that will help individuals in their day-to-day living. One great example is Stephen in Acts chapter 6. I'm not going to give you the whole story, but he was having some serious opposition, sharing the message of Christ. There were those that were rising up against him. But listen to this verse, Acts 6.10. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Stephen had the gift of wisdom. There were many against one, but when he spoke out the truths of God and called them to action, they could not stand up against it. So what they had to do, because they couldn't refute it, is they had to plug their ears and drag him out of the city and silence him with stones. Because his wisdom was from another world. Knowledge. Definition of the gift of knowledge. God-given ability to understand in an exceptional way great truths from God's word and to make them relevant to specific situations in the church. Now, a lot of this has overlap. Knowledge and wisdom, even with teaching, a lot of this has overlap. But there are specific references to each of these in Scripture individually. I think those with the gift of knowledge, they have the desire to seek out and learn as much about the Scripture as they can, gathering and analyzing and evaluating God's truth and then making that truth deliverable and giving it to the body for the well-being of the church. It says of Daniel in Daniel chapter 1 that Daniel had understanding. God gave them great learning and skill in literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Daniel was a man with a gift of knowledge. Encouragement, the next gift. Encouragement, sometimes called exhortation. Encouragement or exhortation. God-given ability to minister words of comfort, encouragement, and challenge to believers. Giving them courage to endure, stand strong, or move forward in their walk with Christ. Here's a great example of this in the New Testament. Called this many times, Barnabas. You know what the name Barnabas means, what he's called? He's called the son of what? Anybody know? I heard it, the son of encouragement. Barnabas is called the son of encouragement. Acts chapter 4 talks about Barnabas, the son of encouragement. Acts 14, he goes and strengthens the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. And because he did that, many were strengthened, Scripture says, because he had the gift of encouragement or exhortation. People with this gift come alongside of those who are discouraged and they reassure them with the truth of God and give them hope. Do you have a desire to do that? Have you in the past been used by God to do that? 
These are individuals who emphasize God's promises and have a great confidence in the will of God and can share that convincingly with other people. People that urge other people to apply biblical truth. Do it in love, but encourage them, apply this truth and see God to be who He claims to be. Let's go to the next gift, gift of discernment. This is also listed often on list of gifts as the distinguishing of spirits. Discernment or the distinguishing of spirits. God-given ability to distinguish truth from error, applying God's word to the situation in question, recognizing whether an experience or a person's behavior is divine, human, or or satanic. Someone that has the ability to distinguish between spirits can, if that gift is fanned into flame, can understand that, can sense that, and is able to do so by the Spirit of God. It says in 1 Corinthians 12 that to another is given the ability to distinguish between spirits. Here's a, one example from Scripture. Early church, Acts chapter 5, church is exploding. A lot of generosity going on in the church. And in the midst of that, a man by the name of Ananias comes and comes before the apostles and he presents a gift. He has sold a piece of property and he presents a gift before the apostles and says, here is the funding, here's the money that I got from the sale of this property. I want to give it to you to distribute as needed among the church. And Peter, with the gift of discernment, knew something wasn't right. And he said to him, is this all the money that you got from the sale of the property? And with a lie on his tongue, Ananias said, yes, it is. And Peter said, why did you lie to the Spirit of God? Why did you lie? You are going to die because of that lie. And he fell down dead. And then his wife came in and the same thing was repeated. That was the gift of discernment there given by the divine enablement of the Holy Spirit for that moment. People with this gift distinguish truth from error, right from wrong, pure motives from impure. Have you noticed that? Have other people around your life noticed that about you? They have the ability to identify deception in others with accuracy and appropriateness. I don't mean every single time. You have to understand the gifts that are given, the gifts of the Spirit. The Spirit can certainly do these things every time, but He's operating within the midst of a human frailty, a partially developed gift and human frailty. So just because somebody misses it or you miss it once in the judgment of another person, and you get it right nine out of ten times, pretty good indication that you've got the gift. That's a repetitive pattern in your life. These people with this gift recognize inconsistencies in the teaching or prophetic message or interpretation of Scripture. 
Very often these individuals are able to recognize the presence of evil. I've known, I, I don't have, I'm clearly convinced I do not have that gift. I'm fine with that. But I've known some that have this gift in spades. Known them for a long period of time. Evidence is clear. Go to the third heading, gifts that demonstrate God's love. Again, I'm gonna, I've said this several times, I'm going to say it again. Even if you don't have one of the gifts under this heading, it doesn't mean you're not supposed to demonstrate God's love. You're all supposed to demonstrate God's love as followers of Christ. Some are just gifted in specific ways as follows. Pastor Shepherd. God-given ability to assume responsibility for the spiritual welfare of a group of believers caring for them, equipping them and for ministry and building them up in Christ. Peter says to the elders there, I, in 1 Peter 5, I exhort the elders among you, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly doing so. People with this gift, they take responsibility, and it's not a burden to them. They take responsibility to nurture the whole person or a body of people in their walk with God. They model with their life, not perfectly, but they model with their life what it means to be fully devoted. They lead and protect those within their span of care. They have a burden to do that. It's the gift of pastor or shepherding. You think of shepherd over sheep. There's another gift, service and helps. Now some in their making of the list and great, um, great scholars on both sides of this, but some identify this as two separate gifts with a lot of overlap. Uh, my conviction, at least right now, that it's one and the same. But God-given ability to recognize unmet needs within the church and to provide practical assistance to meet those needs quickly and cheerfully. This often involves serving in a supporting role. You know what? people I'm talking about that they don't ever want to be seen or noticed. What they really like to do is they like to come alongside of other people's lives and help them succeed in their ministries. Gifts of service or helps. A lot of people in this church have known over the years with great uh, fanned into flame gifts of service and helps. It's gone. We're getting running late here. Next gift is giving. God-given ability to generously contribute material possessions and finances to the Lord's work with a cheerful and thankful heart. Many times this gift includes the ability to earn and manage money well so that it can be turned over to God. Now, again, let me stop you and say this. If you don't have the gift of giving, you're still supposed to give. God is the great giver, the gift of his son. Christ gave himself and made himself nothing to become our servant and to give to us what we needed for life and forgiveness and godliness. And then he gave us his Holy Spirit. And as followers of Christ, we are to be givers. You are to be a giver. And that includes the money in your pocket. 
You see, here's one of the things that giving does. Is giving is the antidote to materialism. Giving is the antidote to materialism. The clause of materialism, particularly in this culture, I'm true in any culture, but in the American culture, materialism runs at fever pitch and it wants to sink its claws into you and giving helps to pry the claws of that beast off your soul. Because giving understands it's all about stewardship and nothing about ownership. And if you haven't figured that out as a follower of Christ, you need to figure that out. You don't own anything. Everything that you've got is a gift. And God is asking you to take back out of the lavish gifts that he has given to you and to give back for the work of his kingdom. I think that it is a good place. I'm not legalistic about this. I think a good place to start with that is a tithe, a 10% tithe of your giving. But I think you should strive to go beyond that. And those with the gift of giving, Scripture says, tells me to command you to give generously, lavishly. People with this gift, they do not ask, how much money do I need to give to God? Here is what they ask. How much money do I need to live on? And then they give the rest if they fan that gift into flame. I have a great friend that's got this gift in spades. I remember just recently we had a 201 class and I, part of that class is a section on giving at the end of that class and the class had run long. And so I just quickly, maybe in 10 minutes, ran over a bunch of scriptures and a bullet point for each one, just sharing uh, many verses of what God says in his word about giving. And I got an email that week from that individual that said, man, my heart was just caught up when you were sharing those verses and truths about giving and just felt like the Lord was speaking to me. And so I just want you to know he wasn't bragging in every way, any way. He didn't give me any kind of an amount. He just said, I want you to know that I'm increasing my giving. And I, in fact, I believe God's leading me to double it. Folks, I don't believe that that individual ever run short because he did that. But here's what I do believe. When things like that happen, it very well could be the evidence that that individual has the gift of giving. They're feeling led by God to use out of the resources from God's provision to build the kingdom. Go to the next gift, the gift of mercy. God-given ability to recognize and feel genuine empathy for the suffering of others. And that could be physical, but also emotional and mental. And to respond cheerfully with compassionate acts of kindness that reflect Christ's love and help to alleviate the suffering. Great example in Scripture of this, the Good Samaritan. Good Samaritan. Going down the road, sees the man that had been waylaid and beaten up and lying in the ditch. And moved with compassion, he went down into the ditch took care of the man, put him on his donkey, took him to an inn, paid for his care and said, it costs more than that. When I come back through, I'll pay you the rest to the innkeeper. That's a man with a gift of mercy. People with this gift 
often address the needs of the lonely and forgotten. Is your heart drawn toward them? The lonely and the forgotten. They express God's love, grace, and dignity to those facing hardships and crisis. Is your heart really drawn toward those hardships and crisis? People with this gift serve in difficult or unsightly circumstances, and they do so cheerfully. It doesn't bother them at all of the environment. If you say, wow, that, that's my heart, my desire. I'm, I'm comfortable doing that, drawn toward that. Very well could be you've got the gift of mercy. Fan that into flame. Hospitality. God-given ability to provide an atmosphere that puts others, particularly guests, at ease so they feel welcome and wanted. 1 Peter 4.9 talks about the gift of hospitality, acts, verses in acts. Let's just quickly move along here. Section number four, gifts that celebrate God's presence. The gift of music. Some do not include the gift of music on the list of spiritual gifts. I feel pretty strongly that it should be included. There are so many references, particularly in the Old Testament, to those that were gifted in this way. Here's the definition, the God-given ability to praise God through the medium of vocal or instrumental music, inspiring and leading other believers to join in praise to God. Now, I know that those who are, can be, their individuals can be very skilled in music or playing of an instrument that are not even believers. I'm not claiming that's not true at all. But believers that are given this gift, that are skilled in music, vocal, instrumental, even other various aspects of the arts, but are skilled in that, when they operate in that gift, it really draws other people into worship, moves their heart in praise to God. Let's go to the next gift, gift of craftsmanship. This is one that not everyone has on their list at times, but I'm convinced this is a gift. I'll show you that from Scripture. Definition, the God-given ability to create, construct, enhance, or beautify items to be used for ministry that inspire and enhance worship to God and bring Him glory. Exodus chapter 31. God has given Moses the design to build the tabernacle in the desert there. And here's what he said to Moses. See, I have called by name Basileel, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God. I have filled him with the Spirit of God with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and craftsmanship to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, cutting of stones for setting and in carving of wood, to work in every craft. And I have appointed with him a holy ab, and I have given to all abled men ability that they might make all that I have commanded you, speaking of furnishings for the tabernacle. It's the gift by the Spirit of God for the purpose of constructing or fashioning creatively what will be used to enhance and move people in worship to God. My brother Roy has this gift. I know it with all of my heart. 
He's an incredible craftsman. And what he wants to do is he wants to do things for God. He wants to use those talents. He is regularly helping churches or building churches or remodeling or working on. He has worked here many times. He lives in Oregon, but comes up here when we have a need to work right here. He recently, Christmas Eve, built a four-foot cross, and I'd ask him to make something to put a unity candle on, and he takes that so seriously. He sends me this email. I'm driving down the road, and I see this piece of lumber that's just fallen off a truck or something, a piece of black walnut, and I just started dreaming about how I could use that to make this cross that you want me to make. And, man, I don't want to do it with any power tools. I want to do that all by hand like they would have done in the time of Jesus. And he just wrote this email about how it was just an act of worship for him to fashion that to be used to enhance our Christmas Eve service right here. That's the gift of craftsmanship used for the glory of God. Healing. We're running out of time here. Healing. God-given ability to act upon the prompting of the Holy Spirit, praying in faith for God to perform physical healing in the face of illness. Could also be emotional or mental or spiritual healing. And to see God restore health and answer to that prayer apart from natural means. That does not mean that every single time a person like that prays for healing, it happens. But it does mean that they do have that ability to frequently pray and see God, particularly if that gift is fanned into flame, to see God answer in miraculous ways. Let me just jump to the next one here. We're running out of time. Intercession. God-given ability to pray for extended periods of time on a consistent basis, persevering in prayer, so that specific requests are frequently answered through God's power. Do you have that draw? Known many with this gift. They are prayer warriors. I don't understand this fully, but a lot of times they are ladies or women that have that gift. And as I say, that's all, but even a lot of the stuff that I've read, it seems like that is falls on the majority side of ladies with this gift, but this is a gift of persevering in prayer, and it's not a burden, it's a longing to do that. Feel compelled, people with this gift feel compelled to pray on behalf of someone or something, and have a daily awareness of the spiritual battles around them quite often. They pray in response to the leading of the Spirit, uh, just sensing in a moment God wants me to pray about this right now and do that zealously with all of their heart. And Paul sure talked about prayer regularly. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. Colossians chapter 1. I mean, regularly, I believe Paul had this gift. He was always interceding for the saints. Now, again, if you're a follower of Christ and you don't have the gift, it doesn't mean you don't pray for other people. You pray for other people. We are all to learn to pray without ceasing, to work toward that goal. But there are those that are given that gift in unique ways. Next, tongues and interpretation of tongues. 
the God-given ability to speak, pray in a language not understood by the speaker, or the ability to interpret a message that was spoken in a language not previously understood by the interpreter. Now, there's verses directly, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, giving a list of the gifts. This is included, and to another, various kinds of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. Now, what I'm going to do is next Sunday, we're going to spend some time on this specific gift and a few other gifts. But see, Brad, why are you going to single this out? I just challenge you to look at the Word of God, and the Word of God has three chapters that are really focused on this one gift right here, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. And it does that because of the circumstances that were taking place in the Corinth church with the misuse of the gift in the wrong place they were giving this gift. And there's just a danger to this gift if not used properly. And so I want to spend time as the Word of God spends time talking about it because it's in there for a reason. So we're going to spend some time next week working through some of those three chapters there. Miracles, God-given ability to act upon the prompting of the Holy Spirit, praying in faith for God to perform a powerful act that alters the course of nature or accomplishes what appears to be an impossibility. You see the difference here with the gift of healing. Healing clearly is a miracle, but the idea here is it's not directed toward physical healing, but it is directed toward something supernatural that alters the course of what would normally be in the unfolding of nature, like a sign or a wonder. 1 Corinthians 12, to another, the working of miracles is given. People with this gift speak God's truth, often have it authenticated with a miracle. Fifth category, gifts that support all four purposes. Let me just fly through these quick. Leadership. Is a God-given ability to communicate a God-given vision for ministry in a way that motivates the church together toward the fulfillment of that vision. Leading the church by example toward the accomplishment of those goals. Hebrews chapter 13. The author of Hebrews said, Remember your leaders who not only spoke the word of God to you, but consider their out." the outcome of their way of life. So ability to communicate and live in a way that leads others toward more and more Christ-likeness. So those with this gift are people that motivate others to perform to the best of their ability. Does that lather you up right there? To present the big picture so that others can see it. To take responsibility for the establishing and reaching of goals among a group. If that really strikes a chord in your heart, it could be that you have the gift of leadership. Next is administration. It's a real great complement to the gift of leadership. The gift of administration is the God-given ability to organize and manage people, resources, and time for effective ministry. What the administrator can do is coordinate many details and execute the plans that leadership has put in place. 
helping people to organize and work around those plans so that the vision given through the leader is done. Here's a great example. Moses leads the people out of Israel, maybe some three million strong, leads them out across the wilderness, comes to the place where Jethro, his father-in-law, lives. And Moses, being a good leader, a dutiful leader, wants to minister to the people as they have need. And among about three million, how many needs will there be? (laughs) Quite a few. And he's the one that had heard directly from God. And so what they would do is line up every day. And Moses would sit there and they'd come to him one after the other. And from dawn until noon, until dusk, and Jethro, the wise sage, the wise sage just sat there and watched this unfold. And then he called his son-in-law over and he said, Moses, what you are doing is not good. Here's what you need to do. You need to appoint leaders, leaders of large groups, like leaders of a thousand and leaders of a hundred and leaders of ten. and Divide the people up under those leaders and small concerns can be taken to those who are leading a few. And if they can't figure it out, it can go up the tier to the next level of leader. And if they can't figure it out, it can go up the next tier and ultimately if none of those leaders have the answer and it needs to come to you then you are dealing with the hard cases that are difficult that way a lot of people can be using the giftings of leadership that God has given to them and you can have a break and people can be cared for far better than they're being cared for now that was the gift of administration in vivid color right there just seeing the picture and able to organize the people around that. Next, the gift of faith. God-given ability to act upon a promise from God, believing Him for the impossible. To act upon that belief regardless of the risks, trusting God to remove the obstacles and fulfill His promise. Hmm. There's lots of stories. Think about Moses standing before the Red Sea with a staff and then leading the people through a parted Red Sea. Oh, and just story after story. I don't have time to go into them. People with this gift believe the promises of God and they inspire other people to do the same. They have such great confidence and they act in confidence in God's ability to step in and come through. Then the gift of celibacy. Some of you in this room might have this gift. Single. The God-given ability to remain unmarried, overcoming sexual temptation so that a complete devotion of one's life can be given to Christ. At one point, the disciples were talking to Jesus about the difficulties in marriage and they made the statement in Matthew 19, verse 10, if such is the case... Maybe it's better not to marry. And here is Jesus' response, Matthew 19, 11. But he said to them, not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. You see, to some is given the gift of celibacy 
so that they can devote entirely their life to God and not be concerned with the caring for and the time required to develop and foster a relationship with a husband or wife or family. It's just a gift given to some. Now, there are a few other gifts that I have not included on the list. I do believe that they happen. I just don't see them as necessarily specific individual gifts. You may, and that's fine if you do. Maybe sometime in the future, I'll I'll come to a different understanding. But I see these as operating under some of the gifts already listed, like the gift of exorcism, the ability to cast out demons and evil spirits. Lots of examples of that, particularly in the life of Christ, but also in the life of many New Testament believers. The gift of voluntary poverty. God-given ability to renounce material comfort and luxury and adopt the lifestyle that is equivalent to those living at a poverty level in a given society. Times God calls people to do that. Whether it's a specific gift, I'm not sure. So a list of the gifts. I'm going to have the worship team come. Let me just close by saying this. Again, what I'm asking you to do is I'm asking you as you pursue your divine design to spend time prayerfully going over the list. Maybe as you read and study, you want to tweak some of the definitions that I tried to put down there and you know, I didn't come up with those just blank. I've tweaked some of my own. Uh, but they've been kind of an unfolding development. And Pray over the Scriptures. Read the Scriptures and the examples that are given and asking God to give you clarity on what your gifts are so you can discover, so you can develop them, so that you can deliver them to the body. Please stand. Father, I just ask you to take this very different kind of a message, just a teaching setting forth of many specific pieces here related to gifts and just ask you to sift that down through our minds and to our hearts and bring clarity and revelation individually to us as it applies to us individually in Christ's name. Amen.